All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us back on the Business Podcast. This is your host, Jacob Rupp, and I am thrilled to bring you, for the very first time, uh, a guest here on the podcast. Uh, his name is Rabbi Victor Goldberger. He is the CEO of the Minneapolis Colel and a strategist in the realm of business and marketing. And I'm thrilled to have him on. So thanks for joining Pleasure us. Pleasure to be here. This is fun. Yeah, this great. This is a lot of fun. So before we get started, tell tell us a little bit about where you come from and how you wound up at your current position. Oh, gosh. Um, I grew up in a place where we believed that the South won the Civil War. I don't know if you're joking right now. Well, Atlanta. Okay. Uh, most people don't realize that we've got our own Mount Rushmore down there. It's got... Jefferson Davis? Jefferson Davis, Stonewall, oh. Stonewall Jackson, and Robert E. Lee. So good. Um, I'm very proud to say that I know the name of Robert E. Lee's horse, I'm, Traveler. I'm really glad that you're... Okay. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. But that's that That doesn't really define me. No, um, I grew up in Atlanta, uh, where my father and my father-in-law were both part of the colo there. Actually, when I got engaged, somebody behind me in the synagogue, when they announced this, is uh, that's practically incest. Um, two Kolo families, you know, intermarrying, as it were. But the, the Kolo things in my blood, um, I love living, you know, in, in wonderful communities. I went to like some like big yeshivas in like Baltimore and Philadelphia and Lakewood and Israel and um, did all that. And then um, wanted to go to a smaller community, smaller Jewish community, take my Kolo background and uh, really go and bring wisdom to the world. I mean, that's the, that's the dream. So before we jump into the business component of of this, what role do you feel? And, and it's in the, the institution of the Colo in two thousand and twenty. Um, you know there was a there was a. I don't think that anyone can under undervalue the importance of Jewish engagement. Um, how we engage people, but what is the what is the role? of the Kolel in your mind for a, for a community, for a, a city? How does, it, how does it change? Great question. Um, if you want to change the culture of, of any place, if you want to change the culture, you've got to bring that culture that you're missing into a place. The one thing that people in general are missing today the most, I find, is wisdom. Um, we have knowledge. We have information. We don't have wisdom. We don't know how to put it together. We're confused. We, we don't have clarity about things. You know, talk about values. Everybody has values. I don't think the problem is defining what values are. It's the hierarchy of values and what, what do you do when values conflict. That requires wisdom, not knowledge. Um, and can you distinguish, can you define the two terms? Yeah, I once had a great line from somebody. He says, the stupidest person in the world is a smart person who's wrong. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, like the opposite of wisdom is not ignorance, it's foolishness. What's the difference between foolishness and ignorance? Ignorance is you don't know, and foolishness is you're not doing anything about it? Well, ignorance is you don't know, and foolishness is you know the wrong things. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. You, you know, when, when someone becoms foolish, the difference between a wise person and a foolish one is the wise person continues learning, and the foolish person stops. When you stop learning, so you're basically making all your decisions in life based on premises that you held 10, 20 years ago... And those haven't changed at all as you've grown and matured and the world's changed around you. But you're still operating based on the axioms that you had when you were back in school because honestly, that was the last time you ever learned. That was the last time you ever were a student. So most people, they finish school and they're done studying. So the rest of their life, they're, they're making decisions based on the axioms that they had when they were in school. 
Um, that's what I mean when I say foolishness versus wisdom. The wise person is somebody who continues learning. Um, and what coal, what kolals do is bring a culture of learning. Um, and obviously in Judaism, we're blessed with it. In my mind, the world's greatest repository of wisdom that exists. And if we can create a culture of learning, of, of serious learning, of, of lifelong students who just want to learn and grow and spread wisdom to the world, we'll all be better off for it. So it's interesting. What role do you see the cola playing in, let's say, the, the life of an executive? Someone that, that is not a rabbi or is involved in Jewish communal work, but just the average guy. How, how would I, as a, as a business owner, benefit from going to the Colo. I mean, just this morning. I mean, I study every morning with you know, Mr. John Gramazian, who's, you know... I hope you asked us okay if you could name drop on the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyways, we're studying this morning. He's, he's He runs the Mall of America, just, just in case you want to know. Um, there's name dropping right there's there. There's another one. So we're talking, and we study every morning, like in-depth study. And, you know, we were talking this morning about this exact this exact idea. And he said, people don't have to think in life. Like you don't know, even if you're running a company, you got to make decisions. You're not really critically thinking relative to the real wisdom and thinking that's out there for someone to do. And when we don't think, our minds become stale. We become foggy. Like I myself, like I know if I'm out of learning for a little bit and I want to get back into it, my mind becomes foggy and stale, and I can't critically think. I don't know how to properly put things together. The great thought that just kind of describes this. Um, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lusado, who was a great Jewish thinker, lived in the 1700s. He writes a book that talks about the rules of logic. The rules of logic. Like, what are actually the... Let me think about the rules of logic, right? And in his introduction to the book, he says the following. He says, there's a massive difference between a jungle and a beautifully manicured lawn or garden, Right? A jungle has all sorts of plants and whatever, but it's not pleasing because it's just all mixed up and you can't really appreciate what's there because everything's just kind of jumbled together and it's a jungle. Whereas a beautifully manicured garden, you've got the roses here, you've got the hedges here, and everything's perfectly laid out with a, with a, with a perfect aesthetic and you appreciate every single thing that's there. And that's what we need the most work on. Our minds are jungles. We're full of information. We're full of bits of stuff. You know, we live in the information age, right? We have tons of information, but it's a jungle. Like, our minds are literally just full of stuff and information. And we don't know how to appreciate it. We don't know how to properly put it into perspective. And it's only through rigorous thought and study that a person learns how to create a file system in their own mind. Where, like, when I take in information, I know how to arrange it with everything else that I already know. It's, it's a mind-blowing thought that, yeah. Well, the interesting, the interesting question on that would be, so you, you essentially look at, or the way that you're, you're explaining this is essentially that a person who does not have an ongoing system of refining their thinking is not getting the most out of what they could be bringing to the table. Well, absolutely. That's what you're saying? Right. I mean, let's say you find out a new piece of information. You know, Everybody out there has an agenda with what they're publishing, right? So let's say I'm in the real estate industry, or let's say I'm a stock market guy, you know, finance guy, and I see a piece of information about, I don't know, the markets or some se sector of the market, right? Do I immediately know what to do with that information? Or is it like, 
most often we don't really know how to file it away or how to rate it relative to anything else. And I'm either subject to the author and how much weight or interest he's putting on that, which is a huge fallacy. I mean, it's very easy to take a small sample of something and, you know. Someone once quoted as an authoritative source to me, the internet. The internet. Yeah. I, I wanted them to investigate <laughs> exactly. uh, investigate exactly. Jordan Peterson. And, and right. he said, well, the internet says he's something or other. I'm like, oh, oh, right. Who, like, who's the internet? Right. So if we, if we don't have a, a really worked out system of thought where we know where to file information away, how are we supposed to, with any sense of, of um, wisdom, really, process information that we get? You know? And... and I mean, ask ourselves: Do we do we have a system of of information in our heads? Well, one of the big one of the big challenges that I, I I would anticipate many people have is that with all of the new developments that come out in terms of how to learn and how to be creative, I mean that that that's a in in and of itself is a very big field today. What is unique about the Jewish system per se in the fact that it's been practiced over thousands of years? whereby I might want to opt into that system versus trying, I don't know, Jim Quick has a new system on how to read faster, for mm-hmm. example. Right. Right? Um, I, like, I'm not an expert in every learning system that exists in the world, but um, I can honestly say that if anybody were to get a real feel for the yeshiva experience, the authentic, you know, you're talking about guys that sit and study with a partner for 10, 12, 15 hours a day. And they're discussing the same exact subject for the entire day, and they're not getting bored of it. Um, that process develops such a deep and organized system of thought. That's not something you can ever develop like this, you know. Um, and there's something very unique to that process. And and, and that, so that's it. The, the fact that the system exists. Let's say for someone that is not going to sit in right. yeshiva, or someone that's not a for the women and. The, the general audience right. out there, say someone who's not Jewish, right? right? What's, the, what's the, how, can, how can there be a benefit to this contribution so two, to world right, thought? So twofold. Number one is everybody can access it to the degree that they can. I mean, it's, it's, it's open to all and anybody's open to more wisdom. But secondly, even if you're not the one developing the wisdom, um, the wisdom that's been developed by this process is wisdom as opposed to knowledge and information that hasn't Because been it's been so well discussed. Correct. Right. And, you know, the ethics that come out of this system are so developed and so thought out and so worked out that, you know, it's really a different, it's, it's different level stuff. It really is different level stuff. So to what extent, let's say a person's starting a business or a person's currently in a business, to what extent or what are some of the signs or rules that they could deploy to think through something properly? Meaning well, one of the points that, that I think can't be um, emphasized enough is that something that you've thought about a lot is going to be intrinsically more reliable than something that just sort of comes to you. Correct. So A, we're going to ask a question about intuition and creativity in a second, but the first the first approach would be how much time or how do I sit and think through an idea? Let's say I'm trying to figure out if I want to build some new component of my business or I want to add something into, you know, I do a lot of coaching. So like if I want to bring in a new methodology to my coaching, how much and how do I think through that new piece of information? There's a, there's a great statement in, in, in Jewish thought that basically goes, if anybody wants to really analyze and, and figure something out and understand it completely, there's seven questions he's got to ask. 
It's essentially the who, what, when, where, why, how, when, yeah. right? But there's a process to that. And the process basically goes like, okay, what's the statement that I'm... There's a statement. I got a statement in front of me. Now, I got to... Is it true or false? How do I figure out if it's true or false? How does it relate to other things? You know, every single fact in life relates to every other fact in life in one of probably six or seven ways. It's either a general principle and a specific example of that principle. It's either a thing and it's opposite. It's either the same thing. Uh, it's either a corollary of it, cause and effect. There's When you get into a systematic way of thinking... And it really doesn't matter what the topic is that you're that you're discussing, but if you actually get into you know the way they call it the yeshiva system of thinking, where here it's popular in South Korea, by the way, uh, when you get into this way of thinking, you're really systematically thinking about something as opposed to just what does my gut tell me. That's fascinating. So when a person hears a new thought or a person feels a new thought, so to speak, if they think that it's actually new means they haven't thought through it well enough. Oh, nothing's new. Right. It, this is a fascinating thing, by the way. And, and, and I remember having a conversation with somebody in the uh, elections of 2012, okay? And this guy was a finance guy, um, finance major, bright guy. Um, and he tells me, he says, you know, I think Obama's better for the economy than Mitt Romney. I said, okay, why? So he gives me this whole analysis. I said, look, I don't know half as much of finance as you do. I mean, maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. But let me ask you one question. Is there anybody who's as smart as you, that knows as much about finance as you do, that thinks Romney's better for the economy? So he was honest. He said, yeah, of course. So I said, how do you know you're right? What do you, you say? <laughs> Nothing. Hmm. And that's a fallacy we all have, by the way, is, and we'll talk about this in creativity, but... We all think our thoughts are our own ideas. It's not true. We're just, we're, we're food processors, right? I mean, we take in whatever we take in, we chew it up and we spit it out. And if we don't have a system, a filter built into our brains um, that is able to filter out, okay, here's my axioms that I'm already predicating my, my life on. Everything I think about is filtered through this. This new piece of information, how should I process that? Is that something I should add to my basic axioms should i is it contradiction to them then i'll reject it if it if it if it fits with my axioms on life i'll add to it and i'll create another you know little part of my brain if i'm not doing that the scary part is that every piece of information that we hear actually impacts our thinking so now our own ideas which we think are our own ideas are really just a product of everything we've ever seen and heard and we don't even know why we, we don't think know the why we, that we think it, anymore. It, right, 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 right. Right, like so. So anytime you see something, it, it impacts the way you think. And unless you have a system of thought already, which you can say, well, and, and again, it's not as if I you consciously do this. Once you've developed the system, it happens by itself. It it works on its own. But okay, I don't agree with that. That doesn't fit with my system of thought. So then it actually doesn't impact my thinking. So what I'm hearing is that it's very important, that, like from the person like would analyze like a new business opportunity, for example, if they don't have their core principles worked out or their core audience worked out or their core offering worked Correct. out, Absolutely. Then, then, you know, yeah, we could offer that. But then you're like, well, but we don't have the infrastructure to offer something like that. We don't have a tested market. And suddenly you've walked into a, a very dangerous place, as, let's say, as a business owner, because you're operating in an area of tremendous, you, you don't know. Let me give you a concrete example with the work that I do, which is adult education, right? That's what we're talking about. So often someone will come up with a great idea for a program. 
oh, this is, this is an awesome idea for a program. And my response usually is, well, who are you trying to target and why? Like, who are the people that you want to help learn? What do you think they want to learn? And then figure out the program based on that. Like, if you're just going to come and, oh, that's a great idea. we got to implement that. 100%. Well, does that fit with what you're trying to do or not? You Perfect. Know? And I think that that, for a lot of people, is where it's just people starting new businesses, they get lost in a lot of ways is because right. they're so overwhelmed with a million different possibilities. And you don't start with the basic question of, well, what do you want to do and for whom do you want to do it? You know, you know what I love seeing on social media? People do this all the time with like, they'll show like an ad for Apple, right? Like, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll analyze like Apple's marketing strategy, right? And they're like, you do this, you'll create your company. It's like, you're not Apple. Just because Apple's successful with doing what Apple does, it's not going to work for you. Right. The reason why big marketing campaigns work for big companies is because they're big and all over the place. Yes. If you're a small company that's yes. starting out, word of mouth and, and direct marketing is going to be a heck of a lot more effective than putting it's, out flyers. It's, it's so funny. <laughs> I, literally, I literally had this conversation with a client of mine because he started working with a big coaching company. And they were doing a tremendous volume of, of clients and their monthly revenue was tremendous. And then he, he went on his own for a little bit and, I, and was getting upset and discouraged because, you know, it's like, well, these guys are making 100 grand a month. You know, what's, what's, what's going on with me? And I said, well, you have to realize, like, for that 100 grand a month, there was, you have no idea what, how much went into paying the, the copywriter for the ad putting into the Facebook ad spend so that you could figure out the algorithm and, and, and get the strategy that works. And so exactly right. It's like, if you're going to go on your own, you have to not look at the big guys and most, and again, there's like, I, I get, I get upset about this because you know, there's, there's, there are so many people out there in the information space who have made a ton of money selling how to make right. money. And now they're able to, the reason why they're able to make so much money is because they're able to become ever present, which is a strategy. But for the person that does not have that initial investment of, again, you know, everyone who's really good at stuff can charge a lot of money. So right. internet marketers are no different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the, and the problem is, is that we get excited by ideas. We mm -hmm. hear a good idea and it may be a good idea for a specific scenario, a specific time and place. And if you have a system of thought in your mind, you have a, a filtration system. So you're able to say, well, this is my strategy. This is how I'm going to be successful. And then you can immediately say, well, does this fit with my strategy? Does it enhance my strategy? Does it not? And immediately you'll think about that if that's the way you're, you're, you're conditioned to think. But if you're the jungle, if you're the guy whose head is a jungle, if you're the guy who anytime you hear a good idea, it's like on a whim, let's go do it. Well, that's not gonna, that, that is the epitome of foolishness. The distinction between wisdom and foolishness that like we're talking about is this. Do you have a system in your head? Are your, are your thoughts arranged do you know what your basic strategy in life is or in business or, or, you know, and then what are the corollaries of that and what are the details and what's a principle and what's a detail? You know, if you have that strategy, then you'll hear an idea. You'll say you'll know how to apply. You'll know how not to apply it. It's so much more than a business concept. I think it's, it's, a, it's a life concept because so often we get caught up in comparisons and the comparisons are good uh, until you realize that maybe the, the situation is completely different. I, I remember asking people when I was starting my coaching business, yeah, I, I would look around at other coaches and I would say, you know, like, wow, how do you, how do you take all the money you earn and reinvest it back into your bit, whatever it was. And I'd always find there was a common theme, which was someone or something was taking care of paying for the rest of their life. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like the person that was the coach, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So like, how do you manage that versus your, and it's like, well, actually my spouse is, is you know, the breadwinner and I'm doing this on my own and I've been doing it for yeah. 10 years. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, so that doesn't, apply, that doesn't apply right away. You know, so it's like being able to have the ability to sort of know, again, when you're saying axioms, in a business sense, it's like, what am I, who am I serving and, and what am I serving them? Right. But your in your own life, it's like, who am I? What are my requirements and situations? The person that's able to just pack up and, you know, go travel over the weekend is someone that might not have a family per se or young children at home. Right. I, I had Lori Platnick on. Um, now you're name dropping. Now I'm name dropping. <laughs> I'm right, yeah. Right? But I had her on. And, and so, you know, she's someone who has made such a significant impact in the in the Jewish world on an international on an international level. And she was very candid about the fact that she was doing this after raising children for two plus decades and that she could never do this right. when she was. And, and so, you know, that comparison standard where, whereby a, a young mom with kids might be like, well, why can't I go out and change the world? Because someone's screaming and, 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 and or, or our dad has the same situation. It's like, well, you just have to be clear before you compare um, right. with, 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 your, with your exact situation in life. So yeah, I mean absolutely. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something. You, you like sound bites, right? Yeah, sound I love, bites are I great love for these bites. things, right? I love sound bites. Self help books are a tremendous source of foolishness. Ooh. Okay. There's your sound bite. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. Self help books give a prescription. Right? They're prescriptive. Here's what you need to do. As with any prescription, right? It's great for some circumstances. And it can kill somebody else. Yes. Right? And the problem, I think in the absence of real wisdom, I think people turn to self-help books. And people say, well, I'm clueless. I don't know what I'm doing. I need to figure out my life. I need to figure out a way to go. And they pick up a self-help book. And somebody wrote that book based on their experiences, which it's a great book based on their experiences. And like you just said, everybody's life circumstances are different. So you're going to pick up the book and it's going to say, okay, step one, do this, step two, do and you're going to try to do that and you're going to utterly fail because that book wasn't written or, for you. Or, or worse, the, the consequences of, uh, you might not fail in that particular, I mean, I had, I'm sorry, I cut you yeah, off. Go sure. ahead. So my point is like this, the, the, the only, the wisdom's out there and the difference between wisdom is wisdom can be prescriptive. You wisdom have to, cannot be prescriptive. Correct. Wisdom has to be I'm always learning. I'm, I have my core principles. I know how I see the world. I know what my goals are. And every book that I read and everything that I pick up enhances that. Some things are going to fit. Some things aren't going to fit. And I'm going to have to be that filter that takes, you know, the information that enhances. Now, I have to keep on learning. I'm not, books are great. We love books, right? But books aren't meant to be prescriptive. Books are meant to be informative, Right? So you can take that information and then build your own view, your own way of thinking, your own goals. And, and I think that's the problem is that – so sometimes you'll find people come to the, to the call and they'll, they'll learn things that seemingly have nothing to do with their lives. People are like, what does this have to do with my life? How is this helping me? Give me a book that gives me a prescription. I want to know A, B, C. And in my mind, that's the epitome of foolishness. You want a book that wasn't written for you that's going to give you instructions? and you're going to follow that prescription, you're going to fail because it's not written for you and you don't know how to incorporate that into your life. Better 
Learn how to organize your thoughts. Learn how to organize the way you view information. Once you gain that critical life skill of being able to organize information in your head, then you can read anything and find value in it. You know, the, the, the Talmud says the wise person is the one who learns from everybody. You know, today we only like to learn from experts, mm-hmm. right? Why? Because they're smart and they have the wisdom. If you are wise yourself, if you're a student of wisdom, then you can find wisdom in anything because everything in the world can be a learning experience to you and can inform the way you see things. Your eyes are wide open and there isn't a single thing that you experience that doesn't enhance your view of life. It's fascinating. I, wanna, I want to, I think, encapsulate three points that I, that I took, that I thought I was hearing you say. The first one is that I like this. You're organizing. No, I, I, I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think about it because I think there's a lot of very practical components here. One component is that, and, and not to draw. I'm dropping more names. Um, the, the my inter- my first interview with Shimon Jacobson, he said that you you rarely find in in these. You know, he said Freud and Mozart and you know three other people that are very famous. He says, what are their kids doing? And in, in most cases, you do not find these people that break the mold so dramatically, we don't know what their kids are doing or if they even have kids. Right. But he was saying that in, in Judaism, so pretty much your success is based on how well your kids picked up the, the values that you were trying to impose. And so he was saying that, you know, we we have to figure out, am I just trying to make a big splash? I mean, that that's a fundamental question. Do I, do I want to follow a Freud and make a big splash on the world scene? At which point that usually means working in you know, working in a cave, working away from other people, not trying to figure out how does this fit into the to the lifestyle. I think that that's one fundamental thing. Another very important. So th- again, the first question would be that it doesn't just apply to your business, but you also have to have a wisdom for how do I want my life to look as well. You right. see that same thing in a lot of the experts that we that we see and and people that that operate on a you know a lot of a lot of times someone that that comes from one way of living and then makes a massive transition later in their life. So when they grew up poor and becomes very wealthy right. or whatever it might be, is that often they don't remain married to the same person. Um, because in, in this, and, and again, from a Jewish perspective, we, we do put a lot, we do put, there's a, there's a value to maintaining your marriage if you can. We're great with divorce if it has to happen and, and, and everything like that. But, but it's like you have to pay attention to your spouse also because there's a value there. And so the interesting thing is, you know, I might want to watch a Tony Robbins, for example, and I, I think he's been married twice, three times, whatever, whatever yeah. it might be. And you have to say, well, you know, somehow he didn't make that transition of bringing along his spouse on his journey. And if that's something you want to do, you have to find someone that was able to build their empire and stay married to the same people. And better than that, try to find like three people that did it because you don't want to wind up, quote, successful like him if that's going to mean sacrificing your kids, your family. The last point that I that I heard that was so important, and I think that this is crucial to be made by someone that might be someone that is an Orthodox Jew, is that. The point of, of, of Jewish wisdom, the point of wisdom in general, is not, like you said, to be prescriptive. That very often we think, well, if this man with a beard says this, this must be true for me all the time. And that's not at all what we're saying. There, the goal is to figure out how do things fit into your life because I can just speak from personal experience. A lot of times you take on things and try to become someone because he's the expert and I want to be like him. But then you neglect that there are values and things in your own life that you want to embrace and be a more, uh, to, to, you, you can't just like 
like you're like people in a lot of ways like a rubber band. So it's like you will snap back in a lot of ways to who you are. You don't want to pull yourself too tightly in the process. I've I've seen that happen. Um, I've literally seen that happen. I'm very close with a guy. Um, This I'm not going to name. Yeah, probably probably (laughs) is. Let's just call him um, Stan. I was going to say Jake, but that's okay. That's whatever you. I was going to right. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of a name that can be Hebraicized too. Okay, David and David. David, right? Okay, great. So this guy was David, okay, and he just soul on fire, like just caught into the whole thing, and he became David, like overnight, just transformed his life, went to yeshiva, studied the whole bit, and then changed his name. I mean, he's David now, and whatever. And then after about a year and a half of that, just. You see David drinking in a bar somewhere. Right. Yeah. D- David just David's not there anymore. Right. Yeah. And I still keep up with him. We've been talking a lot. And, and it became so clear to me that David never changed. Right? Like, he just adopted a second persona mm-hmm. called David mm-hmm. that was totally incongruous with David. Right. And eventually he just realized, like, wait, who am I? Am I David or am I David? Like, and and then it becomes very obvious. He's like, I'm David. Like, I'm David, right? Yeah. So like, David was this like a character, like 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 an actor, like, and he literally became a character, and he acted as this character for a year and a half, and it was great. But you can't act as a character your whole life. When the movie's over, like, you go back to being who you are, and the only way to really change is to incorporate whatever your new information, new knowledge into you. Like, David can change. But if you're just going to leave David the same and, like, become David, like, it's not going to work. Well, it's interesting. I also, I feel like that one of the major, one of the major symptoms of this concept of, of, of foolishness, as you're saying, that exists in the world is that you find all fundamentalisms taking off to a very large extent nowadays. And again, I... What is a fundamentalist? There's, you know, everyone can say, well, this is for sure bad fundamentalism, like right. like ISIS, you know, yeah. or you have other fundamentalisms, like just spiritual practice. I, I dare I even say like core power yoga or like the CrossFit world, like, you know, or, or, or the mixed martial arts world. Like yeah. you find that we buy in hook, line and sinker to these various programs and programs that can create a, 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 a massive and fanatic following do very well. Right. And the question is like, what is wrong with our society that we are so inclined to buy into these things right. so much? And I think it's that exact concept that I feel an intrinsic lacking within myself. I have all kinds of problems. It's, I don't think it's also any kind of an, an irony that there is such a wide amount of, this is like my favorite book in the world. I'll, 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 uh, one of my, I hate, I hate to say that, but this was great. But there's an amazing book called. It's okay, you could have a lot of them. I have, yeah, one of my <laughs> most favorite. So he wrote two books. It was a, he wrote one about the drug. One was called Chasing the Scream about the about about the uh, the drug use, and one was about the use of uh, antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And he and his point in the book about antidepressants, I have to find out what the name is, um, was that people are so quick to diagnose and say, here, just take this pill. When in reality, most people have just terrible lives and that's why they're depressed. They're, they're not enjoying their job. Right. They don't have, they have problems at home. They don't have self-confidence. So rather than just giving the pill, he was saying if, if, if people could just ask, you know, hey, 
you look miserable and you should be miserable because these things aren't working for you. You know, he said like you, 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 could, you could change the entire world. So I, I think the point that, that is, can't be stressed enough is that wisdom is to look at your life and say, what am I missing? What are my structures? You know, it's important to me to find, to have work that I enjoy doing. Right. It's important to me to have people that love me or a sense of a society or a social structure that I feel comfortable in. And if I don't have that, I'm going to be miserable as opposed to saying, I'm miserable. I don't know why I'm going to join the CrossFit gym and go there all right, the well, time. Well, let me, I want to, I want to take us even to the next level. Oh, is boy. That, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of people, it's on a specific friend of mine who, you know, he tells me, I've got, I've got three tracks in my life. There's my personal track, there's my professional track, and then there's my spiritual track. And here's my goal in my personal life. Here's my goal in my professional life. Here's my goal in my spiritual life. And ultimately, I think what really having a structure for wisdom does and the ultimate goal is where it's all streamlined. It's really all one thing. It's not even different tracks. And and the problem that a lot of people have, at least from an intellectual standpoint and a knowledge standpoint, is that I have different goals, but they don't fit with each other. And I maybe don't want to admit it readily, but, but my professional goal doesn't really fit with my personal goal. And my personal goal doesn't really fit with my spiritual goal. And you're fighting yourself. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day you've laid out these different goals and you know maybe this guy's your role model as far as professional if i want to be the tony robbins but in my spiritual life i want to be the that and in my family life exactly what you're saying before well those goals are are, are contradictory mm-hmm. and and so what do you think that does to a person internally when their primary goals in life just conflict with each other and literally every single time you're successful in one goal it's at the expense, it's at the expense of something, something else. else right you, you can't be satisfied ever right Right? right, you can't be satisfied with that. So, part of the importance of having a structure of 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 wisdom is that you have to figure out, like I said before, what values are more important than other values. Sure, values. I value this. I value that. I value that. Okay, but rank them. A hierarchy. What are the basic building blocks of my life? And I would even say, what's the basic building block of my life? I'm going to quote the Rabbi Lusato again. He's got a, another book of his that, that just pretty much lays out a pathway for a person's life called C.L.S. Kisharim. It's the path of the just. And he starts off, his first line, he says, everybody should think about you know why they're here and what they should place their goal in life. And he says, singular. Their goal. It's, it's a singular term. Their one goal. <laughs> because ultimately... We can only successfully have one goal. Now, that one goal can manifest in many, many different places. But if we have more than one core goal, then they're going to come in conflict with each other. Um, So that's one of the huge benefits of having a system of thought is removing conflict, internal conflict. Where it's like I'm fighting myself because this part of me wants that and that part of me wants this. And who am I and what am I all about? And... So I, and I think it's funny because at the very beginning and at the very end um, of of on the on the let's call it in the spectrum of of business, you know, at the beginning of a business and kind of at the end of the business, there's these you you move from a practical how do I grow to the esoteric what do I want to what do I want to do? So on the beginning, it's like do I want to start a business? What should I start? Why should I start? It? What should it look like? Should I get a job? Should I start a business? Should I join, you know, kind of a, 
you know, like a sales team where I kind of have my own, but I, 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 I'm part of a bigger system. And at the end, you know, I've built it, I've built a practice. Do I want to keep working in the practice? Do I want to sell the practice? Do I want to, you know, like, so at either end, you, you run into this very esoteric question of, well, now what? And I think that that's exactly the point that a person needs to start by asking themselves is, you know, and again, it, this is not, we're not just talking theory. Like literally, this is a, a problem that, that so many of my clients have, which is it's like, you know, what do I, what do I want? And then I go always back to, well, why did you start the business in the first place? Or, you know, just because you thought it would be cool to have this kind of an online business, do you want cash flow right now? Well, then if it's not making a lot of money, so then let's think maybe there's a better way to make money. Do you, are you, is it making money, but you don't feel like you exist, like you're just part of a cog in a machine? Okay, so if that, if, if you're, if, if self-expression is important in your business, so then it, maybe the money doesn't matter as much or like you need to be doing something completely different. So I, I think that that's so fundamental is, is nailing into my, my purpose, right. but then it becomes, and then I guess we, cause we could talk for hours. Last, last point then would be how do I build a goal big enough to encapsulate everything? Ooh, that's a big one. I mean, you know, you talk about your clients, isn't that ironic? It's, it's always so much easier for somebody else to kind of see the inherent contradictions in totally, ourselves and totally. ourselves. It's the worst. No, seriously, people, I, I, people like make fun of me who I was, I'm not going to say who makes fun of me, but the the closest, the closer the people are to me, they're always saying, you're such a mess. How do you get, how do you get paid to help other people out? But that's exactly the point is that your own insanity. I don't know. I don't know if this is like a wisdom thing, but very often it's so hard to see your own insanity and it's so much we're, easier we're to see. Totally. totally. But I, I think that's, it, it, wouldn't it be great if we actually were able to do it on our own? If we were actually able to sit there and rationally apprise ourselves. You're telling me say, I should come to the Colo. This is where this is going. Well, I see that. I, I see that. That's very good. Like you want to know what yeah. the Colo provides? Right. That's it. Like right. that's what we provide. We provide people. Now, again, it's not quick and it's not easy. I mean, it requires work and investment and, and, and learning how to think. Um, so it's twofold. Number one, if you want to develop that system for yourself, you absolutely can. Number two, if you don't have the time or energy to do it, you can find somebody else who's already developed that system and they can be your consultant or your coacher. There you go. Beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, um, for anyone that wants more information, uh, about Rabbi Goldberger, uh, how do we, how do we find you? Well, you got a website, mncol.org. M-N. M-N. As in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. It's my only social media platform that I do. That's another topic for a different day. Uh, I am on LinkedIn. Hit me up there or on uh, mncole.org. This contact is available and readily. Amazing. Talk to you. Okay. Sinai Radio, thank you very much. Thank you. Best of luck. Thanks, Jake.